Welcome and thank you for tuning into Crossroads Church Aspen and our teaching ministry. We are thrilled that you desire to learn more about God and His Word. We also want to encourage you not to make this a substitute for belonging to a local church in your area. We were made for community and to be relationally connected to each other in the body of Christ. Remember, isolation kills, but community builds. We hope this message blesses you and draws you deeper into the community of Christ Church. So uh, thank you for being here bright and early on a time change and on a, you know, uh, some people just starting to freak out about gathering in public anymore, right? So um, no worries. Is um, Remember, the house of God uh, and God's people, people of faith, when there's need, when there's struggle, when we need some encouragement, we need to press in with each other and pray. I just encourage you to come Wednesday. Brian Beckett will be leading that, and their team, the ministry team here, it's going to be just an open prayer time. We're going to get after it, um, uh, encouraging each other and just praying. Our nation, uh, uh, obviously the scripture is real clear on... on our Father listens to the prayers of His people, right? So feel free to dump 6 o'clock, right? 6 or 6, 6 o'clock Wednesday. Wonderful. Well, we're in the book of Jonah. If you've been with us, um, just find your way to Jonah this morning. Um, I'm excited to uh, dive in uh, this morning. I've been looking at... Um, at some things, um, especially in Romans 1, 16... And Paul says these words, he says to the Romans, I, I, I am eager to share the gospel with you. Can't wait to be with you to share the gospel. And that's how I feel this morning. Uh, uh, that's how I feel every morning, but, or hopefully every Sunday or every time I get a chance to teach. But folks, I just let that land here. And again, we're going to do something a little different this morning. So feel free to, wherever the microphone is, right down here. Um, we're going to, rather than leave kind of questions and comments Let's just uh, let's have them in between. Let's just have it more as we go along this morning. Um, and again, if you have something here this morning, you want to give thanks to Jesus for what he's done, his faithfulness, uh, feel free to just bring it at the right time uh, here this morning for us. Uh, that's what should be happening when God's people right, gather together. But Paul says, I am eager to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And I just want that to sink in us as followers of Jesus. Is that, is that what we live in? Are we eager to share the good news? It, it, where is that today in America? Where is there the eagerness to share the wonder of what his faithfulness has done for us? Where is that? And so we need, to, we need to really, inside the house, inside among God's people, we need to restore something of this good news, of, of his faithfulness, of getting our arms around this, this glorious thing. Maybe just, a, a re, I think, a revival, a renewal, a refreshing, an awakening. I just go down any of those, those lists to, to God's people who say they believe, but as we've talked in this series with Jonah, Jonah is exemplifying for us an unbelieving believer. As we're going to see, Jonah does not want to share any longer the news of God, especially to those Ninevites, let alone the pagan sailors on the ship. He's lost the call of God. He's off track. He's on to Tarshish to the say what he thinks is safe and comfortable and adventure, and that's where real life is, is at. But are we eager to share the good news? Let's dive in. Look, Jonah, and then I'm going to go to Romans. I'm going to start in verse 17, and I'm going to go through verse 10 of chapter 2. Just for those of you who are just stepping in, 
to step back. Jonah is one, probably the best known of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. He was a prophet, historical prophet um, to Israel, to the northern kingdom, and uh, he prophesied to King Jeroboam, and he wrote this, uh, or we're not sure actually who wrote this account um, uh, of Jonah, because it's about him, which is also an unusual thing when it comes to the prophets itself. But the word of God comes to him and says, Jonah, leave and take this message to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites were Israel's arch enemy, as we've been talking about. And that was just too much for Jonah. He doesn't even get into a discussion with God. He bolts. And this is the other shocking thing about this book is a prophet of God who's known as a prophet of God. And in Matthew 12, Jesus upholds uh, Jonah as well is to listen to the word of God and to completely not do it, to disobey and actually go the other way and run from God. He is the unbelieving believer. This is where we find so much of American Christianity today. And he's on the run. Goes down to Joppa, gets a, on a ship, heads towards Tarshish, which is the, the land of, of adventure and is far away from the presence of God as he could find. A storm hits. God is after him, Right? Not going to let him run. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We already have, but we're going to dive in more. Storm comes. It's a bad storm. Professional sailors. These are Philistine sailors. Philistines were also enemies of Israel. They cast lots. What is going on here? They ask him to tell who he is, and, and he tells them he's a Hebrew running from God. And he'd been telling them that he was running from the presence of God. And it's very clear that that storm is because of Jonah, the circumstances, the life and death situation is because of Jonah's disobedience that the storm is there. And not just affecting Jonah, it's affecting many others as well. And so finally he convinces them, you know, it's desperate times and Jonah, as we'll see the rest of this story, he just, he'd rather die. He'd rather die than come to grips with the heart of God and the good news and, and God's heart for even the Ninevites, even those Philistine pagan sailors. Um, they chuck him, they hurl, hurl him overboard. Goes in, and this is where we, into the uh, water, and the, the, as soon as he goes overboard, the, the storm ceases. And the sailors give praise to God, the one, and they come through a revival on that ship, and they turn from their gods and they turn to the one and only Yahweh, the God, and sacrifice and worship Him. Verse 17, Jonah is thrown into the ocean. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Don't miss it. He was in the belly three days three nights. I think I'd be praying a little sooner than that. But you know, as soon as I say that, right, let's just think about our lives. How, how often do we keep trying to row through the storm? How often do I keep trying under my own uh, grumbling, under my own idea of what needs to happen in life? Do I keep trying to press in to life and try to make sense out of life without coming to God and saying, Lord, I, I give. I surrender. I surrender. I could give testimony of a lot longer than three days before I surrender. But I would hope that if I'm in the belly of a fish, that I'd get busy praying. 
Hmm. Some of us, all of us maybe at a certain point, we need a push overboard. Some of us, even more than that, we need a deep dive to get to the place where we really have to be serious with God. And Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, all the waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. The word of the Lord. Flip over with me too to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Starting in verse 15. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in, Jeru in Rome. Verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. Dead or alive, tomb or womb. This is, you got something? Yeah, man. Or feel free to throw in questions as we go because I'm going to throw a bunch of questions out this morning. You know, the, the little joke we were making about the belly of the beast and for yeah. three days, you waited three days to start praying. What, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. That's happening with my fiance and I, yeah. Ashley. We've had such an abundance of good stuff happening to yeah. us. Promotions, yeah. getting engaged. Yeah. And then February, the stress levels through the roof, like yeah. tears, both from me and her with stress. And um, the stock market, the coronavirus, the new job roles. And so this Friday, we actually did dinner with a couple from here with church, and they were talking about stress as well. And that night, we get home, and we just stay up for two hours praying and talking about it. Like, why didn't we stop and pray awesome. beforehand? Why did we just try doubling yeah. down, working mm. later at night, working mm. on weekends, just banging our heads against the wall and just building up this stress? So that's, that's just really hit hey, home. That, that was the issue. We didn't, we didn't just 
stop and say, okay, yeah. let's take a step back. What do we value? Who do we need to talk to here? That's Instead, great. we just tried sitting in the belly of the beast <laughs> and hoping that it's going to come to yeah. an end at some point. That's it, Joe. So Thank you, man. Home. That's it, man. That is it. Thanks for sharing that. I, we can all relate uh, completely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, right here. Come on. So my wife, Ashley, and I went out with this couple Friday night that was experiencing a lot of stress. <laughs> and well, we don't need to say names. No, no. But Steve, you say, you know, um, you know, are we eager to go out and share the gospel? And I'm eager to go out and share the gospel, but I don't know enough. I don't know enough of the gospel. I wanted words for this couple that I love. But I don't personally know enough scripture because I'm not spending enough time in the gospel learning it to use it and bring it into the world with me. So this season, I can't tell you what's going to happen next season, but this season, we are trying to do our best to learn, to learn, to internalize these gospels that we can use in this broken world for each other. It's awesome, bro. And that's, that's part of it. You say, go share the gospel. Well, okay, what? Where? This guy's got a problem. Where's that mm -hmm. gospel verse that works for mm -hmm. him? It's awesome. I don't know. That's where we're starting. And that's where we're going to dive in on, right? Is to learn. That's where discipleship comes in, learning, encouraging each other, getting in the Word. Absolutely. Got to get in that Word. Man, that's good. Thanks, gang. How do you know if you're dead or alive? <clears throat> I'm not talking to everybody. Don't check your pulse, you know. Don't check if there's brain waves. How do you know if you're dead or alive? And if you say, I'm alive, how do you know you're alive? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the presence of God. It's good. Hope. Yeah. You know that God's, God's moving and doing something. I give this question, folks, because this is a critical question. And, and if anybody is in here who's kind of seeking, kind of checking church out, kind of maybe disengaged, this, this is where we start. The Bible from the very beginning, all the way back to Genesis 2.16, God told Adam, this is before even Eve is created, even he's in the garden, he's preparing the garden for Eve, and he gives Adam this spiritual guidance and says, it says it's actually a command and he gives Adam this and he says to him, you can eat of all the trees in the garden, but this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat this. If you eat of that tree, you will, you will surely die. And of course, the rest of the story, they did what all of us would do and have done is stay away from the table, stay away from this, don't do that, we, we do it. And... Um, but did Adam and Eve die? Did they die? Yeah. So there's a death that's actually more important than my physical death. There's actually an, an issue of being alive that's actually more important than my pulse or my brain waves. And all through the scripture, it, it, it gives this admonition to us that we come into this world dead in our trespasses and sins. That's where we start. 
There is no good news. There is no understanding of the gospel. It's just philosophy or, or something. If we don't start there, if I don't understand the magnitude of what God has done in wakening me from the dead. This isn't an issue of being bad. Most of us have grown up, right, and, and thinking that, well, I'm a Christian. The good news is Jesus died for my sins so that when I do something bad, he's forgiven me. Is That's down the line. I got to start with no. The more important thing is the gospel says we were dead to God into eternal life until Jesus awakens us. Now that's good news. But that news has been watered down in our culture today. Someone, you know, has talked about the triumph of, of the therapeutic culture today that we've grown up in because that language that we are dead when we, to God when we come into this world, the idea that we're dead in our sins and trespasses is, is almost abusive today in our culture that just wants to say all you need is a little self-esteem. Come on, you just need to build yourself up. You just need a little self-esteem. You just need to feel good about yourself. And Jesus is there to forgive you of your sins and to make your life better and to meet your, your needs or whatever you have. No, it's much bigger and grander than that. We are dead. Dead, dead. You might have a pulse, but it means my destiny is separated from God forever. Unless something radical happens to me. And the good news is that that grace of God comes to us freely. We just have to believe in it. And, and no philosophy, no matter of intellect. I know some maybe are getting hung up with, wait, how can a fish eat a man and live in there three days, blah, blah, blah. It, that's the wrong avenue to take. There are miracles. And God, His operation, how He does things is far beyond my intellect. And if you or if I have to understand something to believe it, then we remove faith from the equation. And we'll never have a relationship with God because all of His ways are higher than our ways. Every bit of what He's doing is higher than our ways. I have to have faith. And this is where the gospel, this is why... Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to bring alive those who are dead, dead and make them alive to God again. Wow. It's the power of God. It's not preaching. It's not teaching. It's not how good I can be or my religion or how good I am. It's the power of God. And unless the power of God moves, Nothing's really changed. I'm just continuing to row like the sailors did through the storm. I'm trying to suck it up and get through life. Gospel's the power of God. No preacher changes anybody's lives. If you know Jesus here and he has awakened you from the dead and you have life in him, it was, it was none of your good, good, good deeds, none of your works, it's none of my works that did it. It's by a sovereign, loving, gracious act of God, his power that opened up the eyes of our heart and had us see his wonder and got us to a place of surrender and, and, and to a place of repentance and a place of belief. Just believing in his glory, his goodness, life. And so just a couple things here. Oops. Are you dealt with that one? Back up. We'll come to that in a minute. Jonah. 
is Jonah, he had a problem. And one of the questions we might have to think about is, why didn't God just let Jonah drown? Why didn't God let Jonah drown? He, I mean, he was, he was being a jerk. He was radically disobedient. He knew better. I mean, he had all the theology. He had all the status. He had all the privilege that God gave. He was a prophet of God. I mean, he heard the voice of God. He was set up for, to, to speak God's word to God's people. Why didn't you just let him drown and, and get another faithful prophet to go do his work, do what he called him to do? Why think God didn't just let him drown? Well, we can't really answer that question too much except to really go to the next question is, why does God save anybody? Why does God save anybody? Why is he willing to have any of us come alive? Why is he willing for his grace to be shown upon anybody? Father's love for his children. Even when they run from him. You see, God has a greater commitment to Jonah and he does to us than Jonah's comfort. His greater commitment is to change what's in here. Change our hearts to be like him. And the reality is, right, for all of us, is that that, for some of us, it takes a push out of the boat. It takes a hurling into the sea. It takes a, others around us to, to leave us in the hands of God and His mercy. Some of us, though, man, it, it, it takes a lot more. Some of us, we've got to go on a deep dive. Some of us have to be taken into the belly of the fish. We've, we've got to go to that place of darkness, that place of almost seems like death, for God to awaken our heart. For him to do his work. See, see, the thing was is that Jonah missed this truth that's all through the scripture is that he was ashamed of the gospel. He was ashamed of the word of God that God gave him to go and take that good news to the Ninevites. He wasn't about to bring it to, the, to those people. And also, he was missing the power of God. Jonah, it's not about you. You can't, through all your religious learning and all your tradition and everything else, you can't make decisions. You've got to lean into God. It's His power. And later we're going to see that, that Jonah realized that. It's His steadfast love. He goes, God, I knew that you're a gracious God. I knew you're a loving God. I knew that you were going to save these people, right? His heart, as we're going to journey with Jonah, is still struggling. He's got a character flaw deep in his heart, in his soul, a character flaw that only a deep dive or only being pushed out of the boat can root out of him. And the flaw in Jonah is a flaw that we all struggle with, is struggling with God's heart. The good news, what is this heart of yours, God, and what is that heart for other people? Even my enemy? Remember, Jesus took this right, he didn't mess around, he went straight out, he says, love your enemies. He's just building upon Jonah what Jonah was struggling with. He, he just went even harder at it. Um, the gospel, the goodness of God. But see, the thing is, is that um, the first question, if I don't answer that in life, I'm not going to get to the next question 
of, of God's discipline and God's work in my life. Because he's, he's not going to journey with me until I surrender to him. Until I'm saved, until I know him, until I've, I've gotten over that first big hump in my life where I really have to come and realize, man, I am dead. I am dead to, to life and any view of hope for eternity in, 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 in this life. I'm, I'm cut off before God and until the grace of God showers over me. Until we get that right, then we're not going to get the next part of this right of, of understanding God's work in our lives, allowing Him to really form and, and, and change us. Um, Man, in a hard season, do we see it as a tomb or a womb? It's a big deal. You see, if, if I have not allowed the power of God that took Jesus and turned that tomb into an empty tomb and raised him from the dead so that death and sin could be defeated in my life, in your life, if I have not been jarred, awakened by the gospel and the goodness and grace of God to realize I was dead, dead, and Jesus has made me alive because of what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection, not anything I did, and by God, I can stand before you and receive that by grace. Until that happens, I will only see a tomb because I'm dead. And a physical tomb in my life is a tomb. There is no past future or confidence in where my life is going but man once I, I see Jesus for who he is once I can receive his goodness and his grace and his blessing in my life now every tomb can be seen as a life-giving womb the belly of the fish the deepest darkest shoal now can be converted into life transformation changing from the, uh, my hard heart to the heart of God and openness to God's plan and blessing, right, in my life. Does that make sense, gang? Oop. Let's see here. Oh, well, this, this thing is just not... Uh, come on, backwards. One. Oh, there we go. All right, Jonah is known as the pouting prophet, <laughs> right? And all through the scripture, again, we see God defines his people as grumbling. They grumbled in the desert and, and they missed the rest of God. And folks, I think this is such a, a window into our hearts is, is to really evaluate, boy, how much grumbling, how much pouting am I doing? And, and just, just to kind of lay it out for us, we pout when we don't get what we want, when things are not going like we think they should. We pout when we're experiencing the consequences of our disobedient actions. Now, if you're a parent, this is nothing new. The funny thing is, is that, boy, God is our father and we're his children and we do the same thing, don't we? We pout. And that pouting keeps us, keeps us from God. Keeps us in that tomb rather than seeing that Belly of the fish experience uh, uh, as, as death and, and, and pouting, right? We, we start to see it as life-giving. God is here. Right? He, he's in this place, right? He's in this place. Um, yes, sir. Absolutely. Please do. I love it. You guys are actually, this is awesome. Thank you. 
So, uh, David, I grew up in this church back in uh, First Baptist days, so happy to be back, but I helped to pastor a church in Shanghai, China now. Amen. Um, so the last time we could actually meet was January 19th on a Sunday. The government shut us down after that. The last time we were in the office was January 17th. They've shut all offices since then. Um, we're a decent-sized 700-person church, and we surveyed the church about a week into things, and half the church was you know, locked up in their houses, and the other half had been like me, got out of town as quick as we uh, could. But uh, kind of that first, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, after everything got shut down, we started having actually this exact same Jonah conversation. Um, you know, you turn around and go back to Tarshish or keep heading toward Nineveh. And the U.S. Marines have that great motto where they say the Marines run toward the gunfire. Um, and so we really started talking, you know, how do you do church when you can't meet, when ministry leaders are all over the place, and just decided to really um, just trust God that this would be uh, you know, a season of blessing, not a season of fear. And I'll tell you since then, um, so we've gone all the way digital now. For example, I lead our, our men's ministry. We used to get together Saturday mornings. Uh, we still do that, but the guys say, let's get together Monday through Friday as well. So we start, it's 8 a.m. there, 5 p.m. or now 6 p.m. here, just praying. We've been reading the epistles together. And I've awesome. doubled the normal of attendance. Guys just wanting to yeah. hold on to God. Women's ministry is going. Uh, awesome. Youth ministry, they're doing online uh, things with themselves every day. Uh, even Sundays now, uh, used to we just had one big service. We're up to yeah. three services on Sunday now because awesome. they're so oversubscribed. We've gone to 700 awesome. to about 1,000. Awesome. Followers now. Awesome. Um, and even finance. You can imagine if the church isn't here passing around buckets, yeah. how to even keep paying salaries. Absolutely. Um, so we prayed on it real hard. Yeah. Our problem is we started getting checks. One, we got a check for $250,000. It got a $25,000 check. I mean, this is like half of our annual budget. Amen, bro. And so our big challenge now is Come we on. have too much money. Our finance committee's meeting every single week right now <laughs> trying awesome. to find out who our partners are in China. We'll send $100,000 tomorrow into uh, Wuhan, China, to the home churches Come on. there. So it's just amazing in a time where everybody's terrified. We have more people in church, too awesome. much money. Awesome. Um, yeah, awesome. so it's just been a really neat hey, time. Let's, so. give, let's give a look. Praise the Lord. Huh? Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. Brother, thank you for sharing that. I was going to pick on you, have you share, if you weren't going to share, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome, huh? God is good. He's faithful. Where's your confidence, right? He is faithful. I mean, what a beautiful picture, right, of storms, you know, whatever it is. It's not going to stop. Matter of fact, historically, the church thrives, right? Because you know what? The unbelieving believer gets thrown into the belly of the fish. When times are good, we get comfortable. We all do. We don't need God. We show up church when we want to, right? We gather for fellowship when we want to. We give when we want to, whatever it may be. It takes some pressure, right, to, to see what's really in there. And that's the beauty of the church around the world. And what a beautiful testimony, man. That's just awesome. Awesome, awesome, right? If things go like that here in America, boy, I hope we have testimony of the American church doing the same and not running right, and hiding out in fear, but by faith stepping in to God, you're our confidence, right, it's awesome, it's awesome, gang pouting, it puts us at odds with God, sometimes we need a push, sometimes we need a deep dive, right, 
And maybe, you know what? Maybe, I don't want to, I'm not a prophet, but maybe with everything going on right now, you know, maybe it's because we Christians here in America are really, really lazy. Maybe all this that's going on right now, it might just be to accomplish and see, man, what is really, where is the real, where are, where are my children really in America? Where, where, are they good when the show goes on, when the lights are on, and when everything's happy, they'll show up and celebrate like a rock concert and, and have a good time? But man, when things start going sideways in America, are God's children going to worship Him? Or, or are they going to gather however they can and be faithful to each other, to minister to each other and others? I don't know. Maybe that's what God is doing. We know that's for sure part of what he's doing, right? And folks, the beauty of all this is the gospel, the power of God. Um, just a couple last things here. Salvation and discipline in salvation, folks, this is the question of dead and alive. This isn't a question of am I a bad person? Am I, I need, you know, I need some forgiveness of my sins. It's, it's how do I, how do I become alive to God? And, and believing that, right? Jonah, um, his problem was that his character flaw was that he couldn't imagine bringing the good news of God beyond the borders of Israel, especially to the Ninevites. You know what our problem is? It's just the opposite in America. You know, our problem is, and, and so he was ashamed of the gospel. Our problem in America is we're ashamed of the gospel because you know what? We are ashamed that uh, in Jesus' words when he says he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. In America, we're ashamed to share because we're afraid of that truth. We're, we live in a context, right, that, that oh, that's offensive, and, and we coddle this idea, that, oh, there must be other ways. That's being ashamed of the gospel. Because Jesus gave it as clear as he could. The gospel is exclusive when it comes to, it's just Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. Right? But it's inclusive, grandiose inclusive, because it is for every person, every culture, every nation in the world. Right? But I fear that much of the church in America, we are ashamed of the gospel, so we're not experiencing the confidence, faithfulness in it, because we're ashamed, because we're coddling this idea that, oh, no, surely, surely this Jesus is not the only, the only Lord, the only Savior, the only one who offers the grace and mercy of God. There's no other option. He is the way, the truth, and life. It's the power, the gospel is the power of God, right? And so when it comes to the discipline, is our Father loves us, once we accept that grace and who Jesus is, is that we start this glorious journey with God. And He's a loving Father. Hebrews 12 tells us that He, a loving Father, disciplines His children. And so they're gonna, we're going to get those shoves out into the storm. We're going to get the deep dive, you know, into those desert times, those dark times to have to really test our faith and to grow. But this is an important point, folks, is that 
Salvation discipline does not begin with the Lord rescuing us out of our mess, but God meets us in our mess. God does not rescue us out of our mess first. He meets us in our mess. We've got somebody back here in the back. Does that make sense, gang? But unfortunately, I think we come to God, Lord, take me out of this, take me out of this. But you know what? God wants to come and first meet us in the midst of the stomach and the whale of the darkness so that he can do his work before we're taken out. Brother In that God meeting us in our mess of darkness, it occurs to me, and you just kind of hit on it, we shouldn't overlook in this conversation that he went a step further. He, the conversation of dead or alive, he took our place. He, yeah. he sent his son and he died so that we would have life. Mm. She said he put himself in the belly of the fish so we could get out. So he's just not meeting us. He's taking it on it's himself. It's beautiful. And we're going to hit that next week in Matthew 12 where Jesus says, just like Jonah, three days, three nights, the son of man. Spent three days and three nights, right? So that we, right, could have life. It's awesome, right? That's the gospel. Last thing, for many of us, folks, God's grace is an abstraction. It's a philosophical idea. It's just an idea that's batted around in our head. It sounds good. We want it. But it, it, it's not a life-changing power. I, I, I give this to you to contemplate deeply to get in, in conversation with others around coffee, lunch after this, right around you know, people's living rooms, is it must be. It's the power of God to save, to bring life where there was death. It's not some abstract philo philosophy or theology. It's the power of God, and it's available by faith. And I just ask you, do you know that power to change your life? Folks, I, I am fully convinced after dealing with, in our culture of, of everything we know, we've talked about just where our culture is at, addiction and all the other things. We're not seeing the breakthrough because we're looking at the gospel as a philosophy, not as the power of God to actually change, radically transform life. Salvation first and then right, to form us do his work right inside us. It's not my religious effort. I can't do it. I've tried. Let me just promise you, don't try. I've done it. You need the power of God. It's the only way we can change this. And it comes by surrender. God, you've got to do it. Come, Holy Spirit, and move right inside. All right? But folks, let's encourage each other. Let's keep this conversation going. Please don't just, don't, don't try to figure it out alone. We're, we're called to engage each other deeply, right, on these issues. All right. Any last thoughts? Yeah, right, right here. The the three days that he was in the fish. Uh, do you think that there were times where you know he wanted to call out to God, but he chose to say, "I deserve this," like you know, in the pain of it all. Yeah. You know, I've I've dealt with some different issues the last couple right. months with. Right. dental stuff and right. a lot of pain and sometimes I was just yeah. this too shall pass this will, mm -hmm. I'm going to come out stronger you know there's right. a reason for this struggle you know like leaning towards maybe it was part of being in the womb mm -hmm. but there are also times where I was like alright God I, I feel like yeah, you know, I'm getting beat up because uh, I did something wrong which right. I know I did you know right. and, you know you sin but it's like yeah. 
Absolutely. I deserve this. And almost yeah. thinking that Jonah at times was just laying yeah. down, just mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. just let me die already. That's exactly, so you, you hit, yeah, that's exactly it. The whole rest of the, the whole book, Jonah's context is that, is, is just what you're saying, is that it's better I die. You know, he, he, was, the, he was the one that said, hurl me over. Uh, he's the one that later on we're going to see, is this better, he says those words, better that I die. Better I die. And folks, we've all been there one way or another of just saying that, you know, um, we get guilty and we start believing the lies of the enemy that we deserve. We deserve. We might even contemplate the idea we deserve death because of what I've done. And that's darkness. That's, that's the enemy right there. Because remember, in all this, it's a whole other uh, discussion, right? But the, the warfare that goes on, right, to keep us from that surrender, to keep us from just embracing that surrendered place of repentance to embrace the glory of God, His good grace for us through Jesus. To embrace that. There's all kinds of battles going on. Our, our, our prayer, our encouragement for each other is to let's get there. Let's get there. Not an abstract thing, but the grace of God is, is the power of God, right? To set us free. Free to know that we're alive in Him He's our loving Father, and He's going to care for us, and He's going to not leave us to drown. Let me repeat that. If you know Him and He's your heavenly Father, He will not leave you to drown. He will meet you. He will meet you in that place, in the mess, and He will work mighty things. Derek, I'll come on up. Awesome. John. Thank you. Hey, so the word abstract. Uh, I was with my life group over the last few weeks here, and one of the things that we were talking about was, before you go to bed, ask God to give you a dream, a vision of how he sees you. What are your gifts? How does he see you? And, and we, we talked about that for a few minutes, and I thought that was a really neat way to visualize. Like, how does he see me? Am I a a servant, a teacher, a shepherd, a prophet, a warrior, a caretaker, down the list. But there was a second half to that conversation. If you go to bed at night, tonight, and you ask that question, and you have a vivid dream, and you see yourself, how God sees you, he shows you, are you going to wake up with the courage to follow and make that picture come real? That's, it. That's the other part. If, if he shows you a vision of a warrior, a teacher, a prophet, a servant, whatever it might be, yeah. and you know it clearly, are you going to let your abstract intellect go, well, well that was just a weird dream? <laughs> or are you going to have the endurance and the courage and the faith to push into that? Yeah. That's what I've been really r wrestling with for the last couple of weeks. So I just wanted to share that one. Yeah, it's great, Riley. Wonderful. Oh, God, he... Our Father has so much, and He wants to show us, right, who we are. But we can't, He can't do that when we're running, like Jonah, right? And so sometimes we need to get into that, that belly for, so that God can get our attention, right? But he's a loving God, and man, His grace, and how we need His power, right, in our lives. Father, thank You, Lord, for this morning. Father, I pray that each of us, Lord, no matter where we're at in, the, in this spectrum, Lord, of dead and alive, of where we're at in our relationship with you, Lord, may we contemplate that question. Am I dead or alive? 
and to really contemplate the grace of God and the, the gospel. Do I know it? Am I ashamed of it? Or, or has it become this precious, glorious thing? And Lord, do I see the tough times, the deserts as a tomb or a womb? Lord, do it just hits me, Lord, I just pray we can think about our future. When we think about our future, boy, do we think about a tomb, an end, lack of hope? Or, Lord, do we think about a womb, more life, blessing? Jesus, that's why you came for us. Holy Spirit, just pray you'll come now, move. Take your word, Lord, and waken us, God. Waken us. May we come to this table, Lord, as as children who are desperately dependent on you and overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.